0: Welcome to the History of North America, I'm Mark Vinette. The modern country of Canada is one of the three nations this series is built upon. While a variety of theories have been postulated for the name of Canada, its origin is now accepted as coming from the Amerindian word Kanata, meaning village, settlement, cluster of dwellings, or collection of huts, in other words, an Amerindian community. When Jacques Cartier sailed up the Saint Lawrence River on his second voyage to the New World in 1535, he had with him two sons of the Iroquoian chief Donnacona. Cartier had taken the young men to France after his first voyage to be trained as interpreters. As the Iroquoians noticed familiar landmarks, they called to Cartier that here was the chemin de Canata, the route to the village. Against the background noise of sails snapping and rigging creaking, Cartier heard Chemin de Canada. Cartier documented the name Canada in his journal, describing the Kingdom of Canada and noting that the entrance to the river is the way to and the beginning of the route to Canada. He named Donnacona's territory the Province of Canada. The name Canada subsequently appeared on a 1547 world map denoting land north of the Gulf and River of St. Lawrence. The epic voyages of this titan of history have become legendary and are well worth a close study. With the help of our friends at LibriVox, let's continue this fascinating story.
1: The second voyage of Jacques Cartier, undertaken in the years 1535 and 1536, is the exploit on which his title to fame chiefly rests in this voyage he discovered the river st lawrence visited the site of the present city of quebec and ascending the river as far as hochilaga was enabled to view from the summit of mount royal the imposing panorama of plain and river and mountain which marks the junction of the st lawrence and the ottawa He brought back to the king of France the rumor of great countries still to be discovered to the west, of vast lakes and rivers reaching so far inland that no man could say from what source they sprang, and the legend of a region rich with gold and silver that should rival the territory laid at the feet of Spain by the conquests of Cortes. If he did not find the long-sought passage to the western sea, at least he added to the dominion of France a territory the potential wealth of which, as we now see, was not surpassed even by the riches of Cathay. The report of Cartier's first voyage, written by himself, brought to him the immediate favor of the king. A commission issued under the seal of Philippe Chabot, admiral of France, on October thirtieth, fifteen 1534, granted to him wide powers for employing ships and men and for the further prosecution of his discoveries. He was entitled to engage at the king's charge three ships, equipped and provisioned for fifteen months, so that he might be able to spend at least an entire year in actual exploration. Cartier spent the winter in making his preparations, and in the springtime of the next year, 1535, all was ready for the voyage. By the middle of May the ships, duly manned and provisioned, lay at anchor in the harbour of St. Malo, waiting only a fair wind to sail. They were three in number, the Grand Ermine of one hundred twenty tons burden, a ship of sixty tons, which was rechristened the Betit Hermine, and which was destined to leave its timbers in the bed of a little rivulet beside Quebec, and a small vessel of forty tons, known as the Amerilon or sparrow-hawk. On the largest of the ships Cartier himself sailed, lured now by the spirit of adventure to voyage to the new world. Mace Jaloubert, who had married the sister of Cartier's wife, commanded the second ship. Of the sailors the greater part were trained seamen of St. Malo. Seventy-four of their names are still preserved upon a roll of the crew. The company numbered in all one hundred and twelve persons, including the two Indians who had been brought from Gaspé in the preceding voyage, and who were now to return as guides and interpreters of the expedition. Whether or not there were any priests on board the ships is a matter that is not clear. The titles of two persons in the roll, Dom Guillaume and Dom Antoine, seem to suggest a priestly calling but the fact that Cartier made no attempt to baptize the Indians to whom he narrated the truths of the gospel, and that he makes no mention of priests in connection with any of the sacred ceremonies which he carried out, seem to show that none were included in the expedition. There is, indeed, reference in the narrative to the hearing of Mass, but it relates, probably, to the mere reading of prayers by the explorer himself. On one occasion, also, as will appear, Cartier spoke to the Indians of what his priests had told him, but the meaning of the phrase is doubtful.
0: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010 800-218-6010 Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Before sailing, every man of the company repaired to the Cathedral Church of St. Malo, where all confessed their sins and received the benediction of the good bishop of the town. This was on the day and feast of Pentecost in 1535 and three days later on May 19th. The ships sailed out from the little harbor and were borne with a fair wind beyond the horizon of the west. The voyage was by no means as prosperous as that of the year before. The ships kept happily together until May 26th. Then they were assailed in mid-Atlantic by furious gales from the west and were enveloped in dense banks of fog. During a month of buffeting against adverse seas, They were driven apart and lost sight of one another. Cartier, in the Grand Hermine, reached the coast of Newfoundland, safely, on July, coming again to the island of birds. So full of birds it was, he writes, that all the ships of France might be loaded with them, and yet it would not seem that any were taken away. On the next day the Grand Hermine sailed on through the strait of Belle Isle for blanc Sablon and there, by agreement, waited in the hope that her two consorts might arrive. In the end, on the twenty-sixth, the two missing ships sailed into the harbor together. Three days more were spent in making necessary repairs and in obtaining water and other supplies, and on the twenty-ninth, at sunrise, the reunited expedition set out on its exploration of the northern shore. During the first half of August their way lay over the course, already traversed, from the Strait of Belle Isle to the western end of Anticosti. The voyage along this coast was marked by no event of especial interest. Cartier, as before, noted carefully the bearing of the land as he went along, took soundings, and, in the interest of future pilots of the coast, named and described the chief headlands and landmarks as he passed he found the coast for the most part dangerous and full of shoals. Here and there vast forests extended to the shore, but otherwise the country seemed barren and uninviting. From the north shore Cartier sailed across to Anticosti, touching near what is now called Charlton Point, but meeting with headwinds, which, as in the preceding year, hindered his progress along the island, he turned to the north again, and took shelter in what he called a goodly great gulf full of islands, passages, and entrances towards what wind soever you pleased to bend. It might be recognized, he said, by a great island that runs out beyond the rest, and on which is a hill fashioned, as it were, a heap of corn. The goodly gulf is Pillage Bay in the district of Saguenay, and the hill is Mount saint jean from this point the ships sailed again to Anticosti and reached the extreme western cape of that island. The two Indian guides were now in a familiar country. The land in sight, they told Cartier, was a great island. South of it was Gaspé, from which country Cartier had taken them in the preceding summer. Two days' journey beyond the island towards the west lay the kingdom of Saguenay, a part of the northern coast that stretches westwards toward the land of Canada. The use of this name, destined to mean so much to later generations, here appears for the first time in Cartier's narrative. The word was evidently taken from the lips of the Indians, but its exact significance has remained a matter of dispute. The most fantastic derivations have been suggested. Charlevoix, Writing two hundred years later even tells us that the name originated from the fact that the Spaniards had been upon the coast before Cartier looking for mines. Their search proving fruitless, they kept repeating "Acanada," that is, nothing here, in the hearing of the Indians who repeated the words to the French, thus causing them to suppose this to be the name of the country. There seems no doubt, however, that the word is Indian, though whether it is from the Iroquois Kanata, a settlement, or from some term meaning a narrow strait or passage, it is impossible to say.
0: The demonym Canadian, or Canadien in French, once referred exclusively to the indigenous groups who were native to the territory. Its use was extended over time to the colonial French settlers of the land and later the English settlers. Today, French-language Canadians refer to themselves as Canadiens-Francais. By the way, Jacques Cartier is pronounced Jacques Cartier in my neck of the woods. Next time, we sail up the mighty St. Lawrence River, traversing Canada and forming an international boundary with the United States. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals, including maps, charts, timelines, photos, illustrations, and diagrams. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride.